Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. I love Father's Day. Hallelujah. I love being a father. Raising all that house full of boys and everything. And oh, wait a minute, I'm flashing back to when I was a kid. I had four, had four brothers, of course, and then two younger sisters. And so my younger sisters, I was kind of gone really by the time they were growing up. So um, I don't quite remember them the same way as a child growing up. Of course, I know uh, real well today. I'm not sure. Becky, are you here today? I just want to see that. Our, is she here this morning? They're not here this morning. Uh, my, my mom and dad were married about 50 years. No, that's a long time, isn't it? How many of you? And I have a little something here I want to read to you. My, my siblings, my brothers and sisters. So this week we've been texting back and forth. And yesterday I just sent them uh, just some things that I thought were really sweet and I just want to tell you kind of my opinion of my dad. Is that all right? You okay if I do that today? It is Father's Day, isn't it? I wish I was as smart as y'all when it comes to these things. Hang on just a second. I'm almost there. Six, seven, eight. Yeah, here's, here's a good one right here. So I sent this to my brothers. And um, it says, hey, guys, just thinking about our dad. Um, a few of you met my father before he went to heaven. My mom went to heaven in 19, I mean, excuse me, in uh, 2004. And my dad went to heaven about five years ago. Uh, just thinking about our dad and how blessed we are to have had such a great man for a father. Uh, he was a Holy Spirit-filled pastor. Of course, he and mom. But just talking about dads today, he was a Holy Spirit-filled pastor for almost 50 years. He was a righteous businessman. He was a very good businessman. Uh, he became quite prosperous by the end of his life. He left a natural, spiritual, and financial inheritance to his children. He was a builder. He loved to build. He could build anything. Uh, he was godly, and he was sanctified in his lifestyle. Uh, I never heard my father curse one time. Uh, he was an example to his five sons and to his uh, two daughters. Uh, he was a faithful son to his own mother. What's amazing to me about this is my dad and my mom both uh, grew up in, for a short period of time that they lived at home. They grew up in families that did not seek the Lord and that probably uh, would have verbally said they're Christians, but they didn't go to church. Uh, they, they were not active uh, in living for the Lord. My grandmother on my father's side uh, was addicted uh, to drugs. She was married six or seven times. Um, all of her husbands, except the last one, uh, died while they were married to her. I don't even want to talk about that. Talk about your bad cooks. But um, that, uh, she got saved uh, the year that she went to heaven, before she went to heaven. My father led her to the Lord. She prayed and gave her life to Jesus. That was his own mother. That is a great blessing. My, my mother, she uh, left home. She was the youngest of, I believe, 11 children. And she left home when she was 12. She went to the sixth grade. She moved to around uh, uh, Port Arthur, Nederland, Texas, over there with one of her sisters. 
And by the time she was 13, she was working in a cafe, uh, just bussing tables in a cafe where her sister worked, who was a little bit older than her. And then it was during that time when she was about 16, she met my father and uh, they got married sometime a uh, short time after that over in Beaumont, Texas. They were not Christians. They did not serve the Lord. They were not born again. They did not go to church and they did not have an example in front of them on how to live for the Lord. They had no template on how to raise a godly family. Yet when they gave their life to Jesus, they became so impacted and they dug into the Word so much, they began to self-educate, they began to grow, the talents and the gifts that were inside of both of them began to come alive when they served the Lord. Otherwise, they were in a repetitive cycle that was in our family line that was going to go the other direction. And my daddy decided that his seven children that they ultimately had, uh, he and mom decided their seven children are going to live for Jesus Christ. That they were going to live for the Lord. They were going to live that way inside the house and they were going to live that way outside of the house. Their parents didn't do that. Uh, that just was not in the that particular era of our uh, family uh, let me just say it like that. They were not actively serving the Lord like that. Years and many generations ago, there were a couple of uh, guys who were preachers after the Civil War uh, in our family on my father's side. And But my dad made a decision, I'm going to live for God. I, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to live for the Lord. Nobody baked him cookies and brought them to him. Nobody had a food truck out on the parking lot if he'd come to church. I'm preaching so good. <laughs> Nobody gave him a coffee mug. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But something happens when you turn on to Jesus and it's real. It doesn't make any difference how big the mosquitoes are, or how hot or how cold it is, how many children you have. And here's the thing. They brought their seven children to church. And it was as difficult. Can you imagine my two oldest brothers are 11 months apart? My mother was 17, I believe, when, when my youngest, um, my oldest brother was born. 11 months later, the second one was born. 16 months later, I was born. 16 months later, Larry was born. I don't know what's up with 16. <laughs> About three, four years later, thank God, Michael was born. And then a few years later, my two sisters were born. And so there were just stair steps like this. But it didn't make any difference. Everybody was redheaded, blue-eyed. Can you imagine us walking into a restaurant on Sunday? Mom and dad redheaded. My mom didn't have blue eyes. She kind of had green eyes. So uh, when, when my dad had blue eyes, but here he, he, we would walk in and, and we were literally like a stair step. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It looked like a Ronald McDonald convention coming in when we walked in. I promise you, you let nine redheaded people in a line walk in and every head is going to turn and look. But before we ate, we prayed. Whether we were in the restaurant or at the house. I can't even remember eating a hamburger without praying over it. In my life. My, my darling mama, she was five foot tall. And she was a little spitfire, I can tell you that right now, because my dad was about 6'2", 
and he was a, he, he was a World War II era uh, Marine veteran. And they made a decision that they were going to be married and love one another. I never heard my father raise his voice in anger one time to my mother. I'm sure they disagreed plenty. Obviously, they got along a lot. <laughs> you get two people together, you're going to get a lot of, uh, in 50 years, I promise you, you're going to disagree plenty. But they made a decision, whatever it took. Uh, all of us, my four brothers and me, we were, all five of us were athletes. We participated in at least three sports. All of us did constantly. Uh, 12 months a year almost, we were involved in sports, but it didn't make any difference. Daddy was going to see to it that his kids were in the house of God. He did not want them to go the way of the world. Today, fast forward it 55 years later, they all live for Jesus Christ today. I wish somebody would give God the praise. Now, you have your story too, but I just want you to know you don't have to come from a preacher's home uh, to live for the Lord powerfully. My mom and dad were not preachers in those days. Um, my dad worked at Southern Pacific. He had gotten a job when he got out of the Marines. He got a, a job where his father had worked. His father was killed at Southern Pacific in Beaumont, Texas when he was two years old in a train accident. Uh, he worked uh, for uh, Southern Pacific and he was bumped by a train and he was killed under what's called the Vidox over there. If you, Some of you will know what I'm talking about. If you're familiar with Beaumont and, the, and those uh, rain, uh, train stations in that area. But be that as it may, uh, he made a decision when he gave his life to the Lord in his early 20s that he was going to live for Jesus Christ. And he was a hot-tempered man in those days. Uh, he was big and he could back it up. And he made a decision that I'm going to be a man of joy. I'm going to be a man of peace. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. My dad wasn't perfect any more than your dad was, but I promise you that my dad was pressing that way. And he set an example for me uh, and for his other children and for his wife. And my mom made that decision too. You can be sure uh, everybody has their stories, uh, but I promise you that in those days, that was not a Christian family. They were not pressing to serve the Lord. They were not in church every Sunday. They did not do those things. They were very, very poor, extremely poor. And, but my mom and dad made a decision not only to get their sons and daughters saved and their own household saved, but they made a decision to get their own siblings saved. And everyone, as far as I know, everyone of my aunts and uncles on both sides of our family have, before they went to heaven, had given their life to Jesus Christ and began to live for the Lord. Come on, I wish somebody would get excited about it. And today I have many cousins and, and, uh, and, and I guess second generation uh, and third generation cousins. Sure, some of them have had some problems. Some of them have been in prison. Some of them have been in prison. For, for life. Some of them have had uh, the death chamber. Uh, these are direct cousins. But every one of them gave their life to Jesus Christ. Even the ones that were in prison gave their life to the Lord. I wish somebody get as excited as I am about it. 
Can I just say this for one reason? I'm not bragging about my parents. What I'm uh, talking about is I don't care where your beginning is. There's no excuse to not live for Jesus Christ because he will take you where you are, change your life and begin to take you where he wants you to go. And you can be sure what God has for you will be better. It will be much better than anything you could have planned for yourself. Do you mind if I just talk a little bit more about him before I preach this morning? Are you all okay with this? My father was a loyal uh, son to his mother. He got her saved. He was a loyal brother to his two uh, full brothers. He was the youngest of three Hallam boys. Uh, the other two uh, were radically saved. Uh, one of them baptized in the Holy Ghost. The other one, I don't know if he ever spoke in tongues, but was faithful in the became faithful in the house of God. They were both very successful. One of them, uh, uh, I guess, retired from Shell Oil up here in computer analyst. He was a, he's brilliant. His son today, who is filled with the Holy Ghost, lives in Sugar Land. My first cousin. He's very he and I are very close. His name is Jerry Hallam, and uh, Jerry was one of the top officials at BP Amico was over the European side of BP Amico and moved back here and retired there and has been to this church many different times. And they live in, uh, in Sugarland today and are filled with the Holy Ghost. He and his wife and, and his sons and his daughter are baptized in the Holy Ghost also. Isn't it good to know that what you are doing has an impact and it can, it can literally create a legacy that it might take a little time for it to show up. But just hang in there. I don't know where you came from. I'm just giving you some of my roots a little bit. Glory to God. I wasn't born with a silver spoon. I was born with a plastic fork. You know what they say. My dad was a true leader. Uh, he, he was a loving man. He had a gentle nature. Uh, he was very smart. He had a high IQ. My dad was very smart. He was actually a very handsome man. Uh, he was honest. I never heard my daddy tell a lie that I know of. And uh, you can go up to East Texas where we're from, and I promise you that everybody up there will say these things about him. He was extremely loyal. Uh, he, he, he didn't bail out every time the, the weather changed a little bit. He was very funny. He was very humorous. He was kind-hearted. Uh, he was a, a hard worker. He was very tough. He was also very tender. My daddy could just cry at the drop of a hat. You just say Jesus and he'd cry. He was very intelligent. Uh, he was prayerful. Listen to this. He was very sane. He, he, he didn't freak out on every situation and suddenly go from zero to ten because things weren't going right. He figured there's always going to be a tomorrow. We can work this thing out. I've had people say to me before, how do you stay in control with some of the things that, that we deal with as pastors and things? Well, I had a great daddy. He was my father, but he was my daddy. And he would have been overcoming all of his growing up and all of the things that he was going through to develop himself the same time that he was showing and trying to set a standard for me and, and his other uh, uh, sons and daughters, of course. And But when you're young growing up, you don't recognize that. But then you get a little bit older and you understand the process. Next month, I'll be 65 years young. You're supposed to say, you don't look that old, but you miss your chance. <laughs> my dad was a man of prayer. He was very prayerful. I learned to pray because of my mom and my dad. 
I prayed many, many, many times with them. We would pray. He said, all right, y'all come in here, let's pray. The same thing I did with our daughters growing up. I said, come here, come here, daddy wants to pray with you. Come here, let's just pray. Let's just pray. I didn't preach to them, I prayed with them. They went through all the little growing up things and Cindy and I would say, okay, let's pray. If you ever heard Pastor Cindy pray, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Uh, that's because we practiced it at the house. It's very important. Uh, my dad was a very balanced sort of man. Uh, once again, he didn't have these real high swings. Uh, he began to get balanced in his nature as he served the Lord. He began to develop and, and begin to change. He was very considerate. Uh, he was a, uh, always willing to sacrifice. You raise seven children, you're going to be a sacrificial parent. Who knows what I'm talking about? I'm sure many, many times he did without to see to it that we had something. He was making about $40 and $45 a week. And he just made a decision. Whatever he put his hand to, he was going to do it as unto the Lord. I heard him say that so many times. Now, Walter, whatever we do in word or deed, you do all in the name of Jesus. So if you can't do it in the name of Jesus, then don't do it. Can I have a better amen? amen? He's like, you can't do drugs in the name of Jesus. You can't commit adultery in the name of Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? Uh, and, and so he would talk like that. Thank God I had that kind of a dad. And that, thank God every man in here is going to be, a, that, that's my template. That's what I'm believing for. Uh, he was willing to sacrifice. He was a very inspirational man. He could inspire you in a moment. A few of you might have heard him preach a few times before he went to heaven. Uh, and, and, and this word is very important to me. He was very adaptive. Sometimes we get so rigid and we kind of get set in these ways because we're the father. We're going to talk about fathers for a moment. Or because we're the man and we're like, this is the way it is. Now look, the only way that you can be like that in life and be successful is when it comes to the principles of the kingdom of God. Stick with the word. That's not going to change. But how you apply all of those things. Learn to be a little flexible. Uh, learn to be joyful. My dad loved to tell jokes. He would continue just clean jokes. I never heard him tell a dirty joke one time ever in my life. I'm sure he had heard plenty of them. But he just made those decisions. He was very responsible. How many of you thank God for that anointing of responsibility? He was responsible. He was a giver. He taught me to tithe and offer from the time that I can remember. I think I tithed on the first tooth that came out of my mouth. They probably put a nickel under my pillow. You can be sure my mama and daddy saw to it I tithed off of it. He was very faithful. He was faithful to his wife. He was faithful to us. He was faithful to the Lord. Uh, he couldn't stand not being in church when it was church time. Uh, people make fun of me sometimes. They laugh, especially other preachers. When, when we go on vacation, I almost always preach somewhere, at least once. They're like, don't you ever get tired of preaching? No. Does your family get tired of you preaching? Who cares? We're, we're going to do what the Lord said anyway. No, they don't get tired of me preaching because I don't preach to them. He was very trustworthy. My dad had a real good control of the English language. He had great diction. 
Uh, he could always make you feel comfortable in his presence. He was a lifelong learner. Uh, my dad could speak some Greek, and some Hebrew. He was a student of the Word of God and developed himself. I think he went to high school through the ninth grade. That wouldn't have been uncommon. Uh, he was born in 1928. That would not have been uncommon in those days. Uh, they were depression families that had come out of that uh, particular era, hardworking people. My dad was a singer. He had a beautiful voice. My dad could sing when he was young and younger as a pastor. He and mom, my mom was a piano player and a singer. She played the piano uh, until we had a, a, if we didn't have a song a leader in the church in those days, then my father would lead singing. And then thank God we would get someone. And then finally we began to grow up and then I began to lead singing. And then other people uh, in the church began to take on those responsibilities. My dad was a writer. I still have uh, things that he wrote, his sermons. He was, I learned that technique from him. I handwrite everything still today, just about, almost everything. Uh, I handwrite it. Something happens between the, the, the hand and the brain when you write it down with your hand. Somehow or another it codes it. You can read it off a screen, and there's some great information there. You write it, something else takes place. My dad was very athletic. He was, a, he was a, a powerful man. He was, once again, in those days, he was six foot two, probably about uh, in his, when he was at his height that I can remember him right now, somewhere around 220 pounds, almost had no fat on him at all. Uh, people ask me, where'd you get those big arms from? My arms are uh, a large, my forearms are big, my, my biceps are big, and I realized that for a man my size. If you knew my dad, well, I'm the five foot 11 version of him. And he, he, was, he was a big man. He was very athletic, extremely fast. Uh, us boys used to go out and race him uh, early, uh, early on when we were kids, and I don't think I ever outran him one time. He was a coach. Uh, he taught me baseball. He understood football. He loved baseball. Uh, I, I rode baseball into college and uh, could have gone into the uh, minor leagues uh, with the Montreal Expos right out of high school because my dad one of the reasons is my dad started me young and he taught me that. But he wouldn't let me miss church to play baseball. So he went to the coach. He said, I know you, my son's a good ball player. And he did this with all of his sons. He'd say, I know my son's a good ball player. And coach, he'll do anything. I've raised him that way. He'll do anything you tell him to do. But he's going to have to be in church. If, if, you, want, if you want my son to play on your team, you got to get him out of here where he can be at church at 7 o'clock. We did church at 7 o'clock in those days. Uh, I want him in that youth group because I don't want him to go that other way. And I know the impact this has on him. And so he was that kind of man. So y'all got me crying. Y'all shouldn't do that. <clears throat> he was a motivator. Uh, he, he could motivate you, believe me, one way or the other. <clears throat> I had no problem obeying my dad. He understood the art. He understood the art of the parental square dance. He would take my arm and we would promenade. He realized that occasionally the path to obedience came through the hip pockets for some reason or another. My dad was very sober. I never knew him one time to ever uh, drink alcohol, never knew him one time to take any drugs. He was extremely limited, even on medicine he would take because he just didn't like anything, and he was just a healthy man, and God blessed him, very sober, never saw him one time like that. He had no addictions at all. What, what, what a privilege that was for me to grow up in a family like that. 
What an honor it was. He was an early riser. My dad would get up around 4.30 every morning. Sometimes he'd sleep in till 5. Uh, he would get up. Uh, as we begin to process through life, by the time I was in my high teens, he was the owner of a business, part owner of a business. And he would go and he would fire that big boiler up. We had a, a large laundry and dry cleaner, even though he pastored the church. Uh, we had a large laundry and dry cleaner that I grew up working in that laundry and, and dry cleaner as a teenager. He would go and fire those boilers up in the morning. They were very large. He was a breadwinner. It was really important to him that he take care of things. He had two other little businesses on the side because he was feeding seven children. Uh, he could build a house. Uh, he could do anything that was necessary. From the 60s on, uh, he had an insulation company where he had contractors that worked for him. And he would have those contractors uh, working. And all over East Texas, uh, homes that were built, a large percentage of them were actually insulated. New homes and old constructions also by my father's company, which my, brother, uh, my oldest brother Billy still owns today. Uh, he was an overachiever. He didn't think it take, took near as much sleep as some people think it takes. Uh, he was a very gentle man. He was a man of prayer and study. His study at our home was a, was a solitude place for him where he would study and pray. He was a Bible warrior. Uh, he knew the Word of God backwards and forwards and was always learning more. He was a student of the Word and how to apply the Word in our daily life. He was extremely dependable. If my dad ever told you that he was going to do something uh, I think he'd go to the end of the world to keep his word. If for whatever the reason, circumstances made it impossible, you can be sure that's the first thing he would come to you and tell you and try to make, it, make you understand that. I like to say it, Rick, that he was a way maker. When, when times got tough, he just found a way to make it happen. Uh, he was a very sincere man. He was multi-talented. He was very tough. Uh, he, he was also very compassionate. Uh, if you knew my dad, people loved him. This is the kind of man I want to be when I grow up one day. He was very sympathetic. He was extremely sympathetic. Uh, he was very rugged. Uh, he was a big red-headed Irishman. had big old hands. He was tough. He was rugged. But he was just as smooth as he could be. He was a problem solver. He was one of those guys that if he was your friend, he was the best friend you could ever have. He was a covenant keeper. His word was extremely important to him. Uh, he, he had very clean language, and he had joyful language. He was a man of peace, yet he was a fighter if he had a cause. He was a U.S. Marine, World War II era vet. He was very much a patriot. He was a poet. He could write poetry. Uh, he was a lifelong loving husband to my mother. He was a family provider. He was a man of his word, and he was a man of the word. Uh, he was a leader of other men, and he had no problem following. He gave us strong genes. This is my note to my brothers. Uh, he marked his children very well. Uh, Dad's example is why our my four brothers and two sisters, and now our grandchildren, my daddy's... Uh, grandchildren today, and some of them are great-grandchildren now, but some of my other 
uh, siblings. Uh, they're the reason that we have made a decision as a family to live for the Lord. I said that to say this to you. Dad, you have no idea the impact of living for God. I don't care how you've begun. The effect that it will have, it might not look like it's having that effect overnight, but it's going to have that effect in the name of Jesus. Are you listening to me? In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, let me just share this today. Joshua said, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, he said. That's not always an easy situation, and it's a day-by-day, situational-by-situation decision. But guys, you can do it. Uh, We are men. We are fathers. If you are a father, you understand what I'm saying. It's not always easy. You have to make a decision that you're never going to quit. The heart of a father, listen to me, never gives up. The heart of a father never gives up. You look and you see the possibility and you see uh, the goodness in your children and in your grandchildren and in your wife and, and in yourself. Anytime you look at other people that you know inside out, you know they have weaknesses. You know they have areas that are not there, but you lean to the strengths and you want to help develop the weaknesses. You don't despise your children. You don't despise your family because they have areas of incompletion yet. It's not over yet. The process is ongoing. I wish somebody would clap their hands to the Lord this morning. In Genesis 18, 18, God said to the father of our faith, Abraham, God said, I will bless him and covenant with him. Listen, because I know he will command his children well. The word command right there is a beautiful word in the Hebrew. For the sake of time, it just means he will guide them. He will instruct them. He will pattern in front of them. He will require of them that they follow that covenant. And here came Isaac and here came Jacob. And God said, I'm going to bless Abraham and he's going to jumpstart this whole fake thing for us because he will direct his children correctly. Uh, Mom and dad, father, you have an ability all the days of your life not to be demanding, but to be instructive. You can do that verbally. You can do that certainly by your own example. You have to make a choice. You have to make a decision. If it was Mother's Day, maybe I'd talk about moms, but it's time to talk about dads for a moment. It's very important. Uh, Regardless of what phase of life you are going through, and I'm learning this as I go. Cindy and I didn't have grandchildren until about five years ago. And then by the grace of God, after we'd been married for 38 years, now we have five grandchildren that have just, we just blinked and there were five. Can you space them out a little bit better to give me a time to adapt? I need to go back to the gym and get in shape again just to keep up with the grandkids. Who knows what I'm talking about? 
One thing's for sure, they'll make you feel younger. I thought grandchildren would make you feel old. I don't know what the genetic thing, the spiritual, I don't understand all of that. All I can tell you is you get around your grandkids and you, Danny, don't you, you just feel young again, don't you? I thought it'd make you feel old, make you feel young. I'm like, y'all go have some more grandkids. I want to get younger. <laughs> First Timothy 5.8, God says in 1 Timothy 5.8, that if a man does not provide for his own, that he's worse than an infidel. When, when we hear the word provision, when we provide, there's more than one way to provide. Guys, I want to tell you that the, the role of a father is not just a breeder in the home. There's more to you than a zipper. Are you listening to me? You have a living example. Uh, the impact, there are about 30 million homes today in the United States that do not have a father figure in them. I'm not putting anybody down, I'm just talking. The impact on that uh, and the, the pressure that puts on that mother and on that household without that father being there covering it. Sure, that mom can raise those, those kids, but I'd just like to tell you that dad, when you're doing your part, it sure makes it a lot easier. And the impact, especially on your sons, it's amazing uh, on our daughters. I, I watched our three daughters growing up and it, it was kind of comical to me when, when the kids were little, I'd watch them and, and they, they wanted to be like their mom, of course. They'd wear their mom's shoes and they'd be clomping around in the house and they'd put on all the, you know, the makeup and all that kind of stuff. But when they got somewhere around 10 or 12 years old, up till that time, they would go to mom and they'd say, hey mom, how does my hair look? But when they got around 10 years old, they started asking me. They'd say, Dad, you like my hair? I'd say, oh, I love that hair. That hair's so pretty. You got the prettiest hair. Even if they'd combed it themselves and it was all out here. I'd say, oh, you're, you're quite a creative person. Oh, that's, you got that artistic flair to you, you know. But something happened and there's a confidence that begins to come when a father speaks into a child. Somebody shout Hallelujah. There, there, there's a developing a, a confidence that's there. You say, well, I didn't come out of that. My mom and daddy didn't come out of that either, but they embraced it and they made a decision. Well, just because where I came from wasn't the, the best starting point, I believe I can start right now and make it the best I can make it. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.